everybody, what's up and welcome into the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. It is Sunday, November 28th. It is the end of Thanksgiving weekend, so let us be maybe the last people to wish you a happy Thanksgiving in 2021. Michael Beller and Derek Van Riper here to talk through waivers leading in to week 13 of the fantasy football season. DVR in every other year of our fantasy playing lives. We would be talking about this as the final week of the regular season in most leagues. However... With the move to the 18-week schedule, the 17-game season, it is now the second-to-last week in most fantasy leagues, so uh, we've got uh, a couple more waiver weeks to play with before we wrap up the regular season and move on to the playoffs. Yeah, a little more time to get into the postseason if you're not there. A little longer, you have to hold on if you already have a spot, but you're kind of fringy. It's going to take me a while to get used to a 17-game regular season. Mm -hmm. Like It's going to take me a long time to get used to this. I'm right there with you, and uh, you know I loved the symmetry of the NFL season. Everything being even numbers, right? Uh, eight, eight, fourteen divisions, two sixteen-team conferences, sixteen-team games. I loved the cleanliness of how the schedule worked out, and now that's gone. And now we have seventeen games, and there's an odd number in there, and you play like a random opponent from the other conference. I, I don't love it, but uh, hey, uh, I've got some fantasy teams that do need that help uh, getting into the playoffs. So I will happily take it this year. Getting that extra week, and we actually might have some help going into that extra week, plus this week 13 here, DVR, unfortunately, a lot of that that we are going to be finding on waivers in terms of that extra help is for bad reasons, because we had a lot of big name injuries in week 12, pretty much all at the running back position. In fact, all the players that we're talking about here on this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast are running backs. Let's start in Minnesota DVR, where Dalvin Cook was carted off with a shoulder injury in the Vikings' loss to the 49ers in week 12. Alexander Madison, 47% rostered in Yahoo League, 78% rostered in CBS League. So he's already on rosters. In a big number of leagues. However, if he's sitting out there, is there anyone who you would be going after before him? Or is Madison clearly the number one guy where he's available? I think he's probably the number one guy. There are some other candidates that are very interesting. I think the extent of Christian McCaffrey's injury might mm-hmm. open the door for Chuba Hubbard to be the number one option on the waiver wire. We've seen what both these guys can do. When they get the opportunity to be the lead back, they don't necessarily fully absorb the role of Cook or McCaffrey, but they come pretty close. And even in eight or ten team leagues where Madison's available, obviously he's an impact guy for whatever time that Dalvin Cook misses. So kind of a 1A, 1B situation, depending on what we know about McCaffrey between now and the time that waivers run. Hubbard is right there also. Christian McCaffrey was in a walking boot after the Panthers lost to the Dolphins. Just cannot stay healthy over these last two seasons. And we know that the the Panthers really don't change what they do, uh, both stylistically and with their running backs. Over the last two seasons, last year it was Mike Davis. This year, earlier in the season, it was Chuba Hubbard. And they really just sort of let that guy inherit the full CMC role. Obviously, goes without saying, I'm going to say it anyways, that Chuba Hubbard is not Christian McCaffrey, so he doesn't just fill the role the way that McCaffrey does, but he gets that workload, and Chuba is a lot more available across the fantasy world. 37% rostered in Yahoo League, 62% rostered in CBS League, so even though I think Madison is pretty clearly the number one guy where he's available, Hubbard maybe is the bigger impact waiver guy this week across the fantasy industry just because he did end up getting cut in a lot of leagues when McCaffrey came back yeah absolutely now one thing to keep in mind the Panthers have a buy in week 13 so Mm -hmm. 
you're not getting that immediate help at running back either if you lost McCaffrey or if you lost somebody else and, and Hubbard is the player that you're going after. The schedule is also pretty tough. You have the Falcons in Week 14. That is a great matchup, but then it's all difficult matchups for Chuba Hubbard if he is, in fact, starting beyond Week 14 on the road in Buffalo, home against the Bucks, and then on the road against the Saints through Week 17 if your league's going to play it out through Week 18. They catch Tampa Bay again on the road in that spot. Again, great work by the NFL schedule makers getting <laughs> two games against the same opponent in three weeks. I don't know how that ever happens. I will save that rant for a different show. <laughs> I'm right there with you on that. And then something else also to think about with Hubbard as you're making your bids over the next couple of days. You know, we know when teams go into bye week, they basically go into you know full-on silence mode. And so we might not actually hear much on this injury for Christian McCaffrey over these next couple of days. There's a chance that we don't get a ton of detail on this uh, before we have to place our bids because the Panthers don't have to give us any information given that they don't have a game this week. So that's also something that you think about as you are placing your bids. Still guys, however, who are relatively widely rostered across the fantasy industry. We can reach a little bit deeper DVR and find some other running backs who are able to help us immediately. Let's go to Tennessee and find that because we finally saw some life from the Titans running game. Ended up getting, you know, blown out on the scoreboard by the Patriots 36 to 13. The game I watched a lot of that game. It was a little bit closer than what that score suggests. Patriots were generally in control, but that game was 19 to 13 in the third quarter and then the Patriots were able to pull away in the fourth and a lot of that had to do with how successfully Tennessee ran the ball with both Deontay Foreman and Dontrell Hilliard. Now, Deontay Foreman, his ownership rates have already bumped up over the last couple of weeks because of the role that he has had in Tennessee. Dontrell Hilliard is sitting at 28% rostered on Yahoo Leagues, 45% rostered in CBS Leagues. He had 12 carries for 131 yards and a touchdown in that loss to the Patriots. Deontay Foreman, 19 carries for 109 yards. So they were both successful. They both got the job done. They both could play roles in fantasy leagues for the remainder of the season with that Derrick Henry injury. The Titans are another team going on buying week 13. I got to believe both these guys are interesting wherever they are available. They are, and I think it's it's difficult to choose between the two. My current lean is Hilliard over Foreman, where both might be available, in part because Hilliard seems to have a larger role in the passing game. This Titans team, as much as they, when everyone's healthy, can protect leads and, and run the ball throughout an entire game, they're not going to have as many scripts like that. The schedule's actually a lot better than the schedule we just talked about for the Panthers, too. After this Week 13 bye, it's the Jags, the Steelers, and the 49ers in those next three games. So some softer sledding here for these Titans backs than what we will have in Carolina. I think that's kind of interesting as we're trying to weigh the pros and cons of all these backs. And I mean, it's amazing to me that the Titans are doing anything at all offensively, given the number of injuries they have piled up at key positions. Really is. Um, I was on the Patriots and Survivor, and uh, I was a little worried there in the second half before the <laughs> Patriots ended up pulling away. But it's pretty remarkable, and that's going to be the case too. Even when they come out of bye, we're still going to be without AJ Brown. There's a chance Julio Jones is able to be activated after they come out of their bye, but we know no Derrick Henry for probably the rest of the regular season. And so uh, it's going to be uh, very, very interesting to watch the way this team figures out who gets the touches, how they get them involved. Hilliard and Deontay Foreman both going to be big parts of that. For my money, neither of these guys really approaches Madison and Hubbard, uh, assuming that all four are available. You want to make a counter argument to that? No, <laughs> I really don't. I mean, it's amazing too. like thinking about all the players we're looking at this week. It is just running backs galore. 
Like if yeah. you need a running back, suddenly you've got more than you need to bid on. If you need anything else, it's actually not as easy to deal with the wire this week. Yeah, it really isn't. I mean, I was I was really like trying to dive deep in the in the wide receiver position in terms of guys who are realistically available, and it's like you know T. Y. Hilton sitting out there in some leagues, and he had four catches for twenty eight yards and a touchdown in the Colts' loss to the Buccaneers in Week Twelve, and it's like yeah, you know, you could go after him, but that's another team that's got to buy, and like I don't know, it's I mean, their buys Week Fourteen, it's not Week Thirteen, but still, it's like, like so many of these of the were like the wide receivers who are available are along the same lines as like all the tight ends we talk about where it's like you sort of cross your fingers and hope that they're able to turn one of their five targets and do a touchdown. And T.Y. Hilton did that, but still only did it with 28 yards and four catches. And that's really what we're looking at with the wide receivers that are available. The running backs suddenly, uh, there are a ton of them. Let's get on to Matt Breida, who had another successful game. This one takes us back to Thanksgiving, but he showed up for the Bills in a way where he had 55 yards from scrimmage and a touchdown. Two catches for 29 yards, nine catch, nine carries for 26 yards. And, you know, like we don't really, really want to ever trust anyone in that Bills backfield. But, you know, Breida's been somewhat successful over the last couple of weeks here, I think at least to the extent that he should be on the waiver wire radar uh, for people who can't go out and just grab Madison or grab Hubbard or grab one of the Titans guys. Yeah, I mean, I guess if we've been spending most of the season stashing Zach Moss, thinking that 40% or 50% of the touches in the Bills' backfield were worth chasing, we have to be interested in Breida. I just mm-hmm. wonder if Breida's similarities to Devin Singletary in terms of how those backs might function makes it even more difficult to figure out how they might be used. Whereas when Moss had a share of the role... I just thought, okay, he's going to get short yardage opportunities, and you know, if they're protecting leads late, that's going to be Zach Moss time. So I could kind of, I felt like I could kind of predict based on game script what I mm-hmm. thought was going to happen with those two backs. I think that gets a little more difficult with Breida and Singletary, just because of the way those guys, I think, stylistically offer a lot of the same things coming out of that backfield. I think you're right about that, and I just think that even you know, I mean, look what we're getting excited about here. Nine carries for 26 yards, two targets, caught them both for 29 yards. If the touchdown's not there, I mean, do we? does Matt Breida even show up on our radar? I, I'm not sure that he does. I mean, this is really about being running back needy and really having to reach down beyond some of the guys that we've talked about here. This is a backfield that just hasn't really been all that important to the team's success for a couple of years running now, and that remains true this season. So I think Brita should be on your radar. He's more as a, of, a, of a contingency bid, and I'll be honest, DVR, Tevin Coleman is someone who I would probably be a little bit more interested in than Matt Brita, even though uh, we're talking about teams that are nearly polar opposites in the Jets and the Bills. Tevin Coleman, however, got 16 carries in place of an injured Michael Carter. Michael Carter's going to miss a couple of more weeks here. 16 carries for 67 yards. He also got three targets. A lot of us, myself included, thought this would be Ty Johnson as the lead back, even if he weren't the leading carry getter. I still thought that Ty Johnson would have enough of a role as a receiver for this team to be the more fantasy-relevant player. If Tevin Coleman's going to be getting... 14, 15 carries while Michael Carter's out. If he's basically going to be taking over Michael Carter's entire run game role, I don't really care how bad the Jets are. That's someone who is interesting in fantasy leagues. Yeah, I guess the question is how much does the upcoming schedule worry you with Tevin Coleman? I mean, the Jets are one of those teams like they just played the other team that might be the worst team in the league. (laughs) 
in Houston. But hey, what, hey, don't forget about the Lions. DVR, don't count the Lions out. They're they're in that conversation too. It's uh, it's it's those those three all kind of battling for that spot. Yep. But you know, the Eagles, we've seen that defense play really well, especially against the pass. Maybe that's a spot where Coleman can do okay with that fifteen plus touch expectation that you set out there. They catch the Saints in Week 14. That's not a spot where I'd be very optimistic about Coleman. And if he's still starting in Week 15 against Miami, it's kind of a fringy, deep league flex sort of play there. So it's still pretty limited appeal. I mean, compared to the first couple of options we talked about, compared to like the shallow leagues where Madison's available, even situations where Chuba Hubbard might be getting more work, there's a pretty big gap here. I, I do like Coleman more than Brita, but... Of all the backs we've talked about so far, that might be the only situation where I have a clear preference for Coleman right now. Yeah, I think uh, it goes you know Madison Hubbard, Gap, Titans guys, Gap, Coleman, Breida. And then we've got Jamal Williams in this discussion as well. Also a game on Thanksgiving. Jamal Williams has had a role in Detroit's offense all season long. Obviously, he was getting uh, outshined pretty comfortably by DeAndre Swift for most of the season. But DeAndre Swift ended up leaving that game relatively early against the Bears with a shoulder sprain of his own. We don't have a ton of new information since uh, Thanksgiving when that uh, injury happened. But Jamal Williams sitting out there in about 60% of Yahoo leagues and about 45% of CBS. League, so he is out there in a, in a fair amount of spots, and you know we're gonna. This is gonna depend largely on DeAndre Swift and how serious this injury is. Uh, you know, if DeAndre, whenever DeAndre Swift plays, I think you know Jamal Williams really is just a guy who's out there for the Lions, and there's not enough of a role for him, and not enough meat on the bone in Detroit's offense to really want to start him. But if he's taking over the full DeAndre Swift role, which we should expect if Swift misses a game, you know, then he becomes interesting as a spot starter. Exactly, and I think the key here is just. The Lions' lack of viable pass catchers. We saw nine targets back in week one from Jamal Williams. He actually had five targets on Thanksgiving with Swift leaving that game in the first half. So there is a path to 20 touches. It might not be the most efficient 20 touches. It might be his case where he's extremely TD dependent if you're not in a full PPR league. But I would say, for me, Jamal Williams is tracking probably ahead of Tevin Coleman if we find out that DeAndre Swift is going to miss some time. I think straight up, I do have a slight preference for Williams because I think Ty Johnson is a little bit more of a threat to Coleman than anybody in that Lions backfield is to Jamal Williams if DeAndre Swift is unavailable. Agree with you completely on that. And even if we find out it's just like a one-week situation, DeAndre's going to miss one game and then be able to come back, I'd rather have Jamal Williams for that one game because Michael Carter shouldn't be too far behind that week 13 spot. So, And once that happens, Tevin Coleman goes back to being the guy who basically had no role in the Jets' offense. So I've, if we learn that DeAndre Swift is going to miss at least one game, Jamal Williams bumps ahead of both Tevin Coleman and Matt Burita for me. But really, no matter what sort of league, what size or shape you are in this season, you can find some running back help on the waiver wire going into Week 13, and that is not something we say very often, regardless of how long the fantasy season is. That's going to do it for this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Remember, if you are listening to this on Sunday night or on Monday, you can still get in the door at The Athletic for just $1 a month through our Black Friday deal. Go to theathletic.com slash fantasyfootballpod to take advantage of that. 12 bucks for the entire year. That is a deal that you do not want to miss. For Derek Van Riper, I am Michael Beller. Thanks for listening. Good luck if you still need something to go right for you in your fantasy matchups this week. And we'll talk to you soon. See you later.